What's up, Playlisters? Brian from Playlist Wars here. Just want to let you know that while this show is on hiatus, both Gomez and I have separate shows that are part of the Playlist Wars extended universe, if you will. Gomez has the Sleevy G Show, which you can find at SleevyGPodcasts.com. And I have a new show entitled My Weekly Mixtape, which you can find over at MyWeeklyMixtape.com. Both shows are also available on all podcast platforms just by searching Sleevy G Show or My Weekly Mixtape. And Playlist Wars will be back soon. Thank you guys so much for your continued support of the show. This is Playlist Wars. Welcome to Playlist Wars. I'm part of the Dynamic Duo. My name is Gomez, and I have my partner in crime, Brian Colburn, with a special guest today, Aaron Brummett from the Itch Rock and Radio Podcast. Hi, guys. What's up? What's up? <laughs> Howdy. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us, man. This is a lot of fun. I'm, I'm excited about tonight's episode. Oh, I'm hyped, too. Yeah, we just had 15 minutes of shenanigans. Now we're getting onto the show. Yeah. That's right. What's cool about tonight is tonight is actually, let's say, let's call this a double feature. Tonight's episode is our episode about Weezer. And if you head over to the Itches page... You can hear their episode about Weezer, which takes a little bit of a different approach. And they have a very special guest on that episode, but I won't reveal who that is. (laughs) Yeah, go figure. Yeah, sure. Clear your throat, why don't you? (laughs) (laughs) See, we've been looking forward to doing a Weezer episode on the itch for a while, but of the three hosts that we have, I'm the only one that's a genuine fan of the band. And so we're like, we need to bring in another just music lover who can comment on this just from a different angle than these guys have. Well, it's, so. it's interesting because Weezer is definitely a polarizing band and their fans are either do or die or love and hate. There's a, I mean, look that Saturday night live skit as funny mm. as it was, there's a lot of truth to that skit. <laughs> oh, there, there was a reason it became like a viral thing. And I think even rivers from Weezer himself commented on that. He was like, that was his life right there. What he just saw in that video. <laughs> yes. Well, for tonight's episode, our format is really simple. Tonight, as I said, our topic is the eclectic Weezer, and the three of us have each individually created a playlist with our top 10 favorites, none of which have been shared prior to us speaking tonight. Throughout the episode, we're each going to reveal our track ones through track tens one by one and craft what we each feel is the perfect Weezer playlist. After the episode, we turn it over to you, our amazing listeners, to vote via the link in our show notes or at PlaylistWarsPodcast.com to decide which one of us got it right. In those same show notes or on our website, you can also listen to hear each of our playlists, just in case you want to understand where we're coming from with our choices. So before we get started, you touched on this briefly, Aaron, but why don't you tell us why you're looking forward to talking about some Weezer with us tonight? Well, for one reason, like you said, this band is so polarizing, and that to me is makes for such a fun conversation when you know that there are so many different opinions that people have about this band, especially as they've gone on they're you know, been around for almost 30 years now. They've got like 15 albums or something. It's insane. And they're a band that I latched onto very quickly. The Blue Album came out uh, when I was in middle school, I believe. And I just have very fond memories of it. And so I have stuck with at least paying attention to them through thick and thin. I'm not going to say I've loved every single thing, 
but they're a band that I will always see what it is that they're up to. Awesome. Well, without further ado, as our esteemed guest, why don't you kick us off with your track one? Okay, I can do that. And uh, you call it a trifecta, right? Whenever uh, everybody has the same song, because I'm pretty sure I'm going to lead you off with one right now. Ooh, <laughs> let's, let's see what we got here. All right. From Blue, track number one for me, a perfect pop song, this band's first gold single, the song that made them superstars, and the most performed song in their entire discography, Rivers' favorite to perform, I'm going with Buddy Holly right off the bat. Nice. It's just such a great song. I don't know, you guys probably remember this as well, the Happy Days music video that came out with this song and that was featured on the install discs for Windows 95. Really has. Do you remember that being a thing? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was so wild. I just, this song does a lot. And uh, when I was trying to figure out how to lead in here, I want my playlist to actually play like somewhat of an album, there to be some type of ebb and flow and some continuity. And this song just gets right into everything that this band does. It's got the trademarks, the geeky lyrics, those chugging guitars, this sort of pseudo rapping thing he does, some falsetto, some woohoos, you know. Oh, right off the bat, there's no intro. He just gets right into it with, you know, what's with these homies dissing my girl. <laughs> yep. And uh, it's to the chorus by 30 seconds in. And so it's just, it's a slightly unorthodox pop song. And I think it's a perfect pop song. That is a good song, but it actually did not make my list at all. Oh, wow. And shockingly, it didn't make mine either. All right. Well, forget my whole trifecta thing. You shot <laughs> well, it right, right it, there. I'll tell you this. Right it, it would make if it was if we had a top fifteen, it was going to be my number eleven easily. It was hard to choose. This was actually difficult to choose with Weezer because I'm not a super super fan of Weezer, but I do love a lot of their songs. I love a lot of their albums. But this one is was actually as difficult as it was for me as a <laughs> as prior show that I we did two shows ago with somebody else, and that was very difficult. I will say, Buddy Holly is a great song. Can I say one more particular thing about this is that of all those types of Weezer fans, I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm the type that when you say, okay, give me your 10 song playlist for Weezer, I'm going to give you the blue album and that's it. But I, the way I thought of this whole thing with the playlist wars is I'm trying to make people a fan of this band, not a fan of that specific album. And so it took a lot of work, but I, I trimmed it. So where the whole list was not just tracks from blue. And I completely understand that approach. And what I did is I took my Tom Petty episode approach with Weezer. They have a ton of albums to choose from. And I wanted to give a spectrum of what I felt best encapsulated the eclecticness that Weezer offers. So what I did is as soon as I visited an album, I never visited again. So that way I could cover all the kind of eras mm -hmm. of Weezer that I love so much. So there's only one song on my list from the blue album. And that in no way, shape or form is taking away from my love of that album. I just wanted to craft a playlist that kind of picked a little bit of everything and kind of made a smorgasbord of the best Weezer songs, in my opinion. So Buddy Holly is an amazing song. The video that Spike Jones did, I mean, that guy really knew how to nail the perfect music video. However, it's not my favorite song on the Blue Album, so I went with my favorite song, but we'll get to that a little later on. Ooh, okay. Gomez, track one. Track one. So I went, of course, as everyone knows, I am a true video game and movie nerd. The funny thing is that Weezer's not in a lot of video games or 
movies, but it was in one that I truly has a special place in my heart. And I'm going to go with this song, Suzanne, from the Ooh. 1995 movie Mallrats. Wow. Nice. Deep cut. It is a deep cut. Probably one of my favorite songs of an ending of a movie. If any anybody who's seen the movie knows what happens at the end, they're all going through their stuff. And it, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. If people haven't seen it though, I don't I care mean, anymore. Well, they've, they've had twenty six years. <laughs> never mind. You, you, they had. It's oh, not a spoiler. It's Sorry. not a spoiler. It's been almost thirty years <laughs> that this movie's been out, and it's still funnier every time I see it. So you know, it just fits that ending of the movie perfectly, and it's just a great song. And the way they just sing it, it's just um, Suzanne, you're all, you're all that I wanted of a girl. And I think that was um. Oh God, I forgot the I forgot Jason, not Jason Lee. What the heck was the other guy's name? You're talking about Jeremy London, Jeremy right? Jeremy London. Yes. There we go. Okay. That's it. <laughs> Got it. Okay. And, you know, he's going after the girl, and that was just, like, the perfect song for it. And, yeah, it's a deep cut, and I figured started off with a good one. And I kind of figured no one was going to go after it because it was off the Blue Album, but if you bought the deluxe, uh, I guess the deluxe edition, it was a bonus track from that one. Yeah, that was originally the B-side to Undone. Right. And it gained its popularity in Mall Rats, and... In the beginning, when Weezer started, that was in pretty much every one of their set lists for a very long time. That was a staple for them. And it kind of, after the Green Album, kind of faded into obscurity for a couple of years. But since 2008, it still is is still in pretty heavy rotation for them. And to me, it's one of their most popular deep cuts, I guess you'd call it. Kind of like a yellow lead better would be to Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes me happy to hear that that song is back in rotation. Yeah, yeah. So, but unfortunately, did not make my list. Uh, Aaron? It did not make mine either. My favorite B-side is later on. Okay. Oh, nice. All right. Nice. All right. So, we're up to my track one. With mine, I am starting off with Pinkerton, their dark, crazy, weird album. And I went with one of the main singles from it, El Scorcho. (laughs) This song is every reason why Pinkerton failed initially. It is so strange and so weird and so awesome that it took people hindsight to understand the brilliance that is on this album. And people were expecting Buddy Holly too, and they didn't get it. And this is kind of like the Empire Strikes Back of Weezer albums. I mean, really, the Blue Album's fantastic, but Pinkerton is held in high regard for a reason. Not a lot of radio hits, not a lot of popularity, not a lot of the pop that people associate with Weezer. This was a dark album, and people weren't expecting it. And in hindsight, it's a brilliant album. And El Scorcho is just a great representation from it. It's my favorite song on the album. It, it kind of goes from left field to right field to, to home plate all, and then back again. And it's just so fantastically weird. I couldn't picture a playlist without this song. And I wanted to kick it off just for the fact that I hope that dropping Pinkerton right away will score me some points with Weezer fans. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. Well, did it make your list? No. No. Okay. Hmm. Aaron? It did make mine. In fact, you have you have dropped right into my number two. Oh, perfect timing. Yeah. I love this. So I went chronologically to that degree. I started with Blue, then then uh, Pinkerton. Mel Scorcho is just fantastic from that, you know, the gargling and all the, the nonsense at the beginning. And I'll tell, I'll tell you my, my favorite part about this song is the incident of lyrical inception that they do. 
So, so I'm a wrestling fan and have been since the time I was listening to Weezer's original albums. And so they have this line in there about ECW, watching grunge leg drop New Jack through a press table. And then a couple lines later, he says, I'm the epitome of public enemy. <laughs> so a couple things about that. For one, public enemy is the name of the tag team that Johnny Grunge was in. Yes. It is also a line from a public enemy song called Don't Believe the Hype, which that song itself includes a line about being a new Jack. And so <laughs> there's this weird like web of, of things going on in that lyric. And I just think it's fantastic. That's awesome. And I love to always include cover versions when and if possible. And believe it or not, <laughs> there is a memorable cover version of El Scorcho. And it's done by Dashboard Confessional on the Wire Tapes Volume One. It's kind of an acoustic. Seriously? Yeah. Okay, I've I've got homework now. Yeah, no, I never thought Dashboard <laughs> would do something like that. It actually works. Does it? I don't know why, because his voice and Rivers are kind of different, but there is that similarity in the power pop realm. While Dashboard definitely leans more acoustic. When you listen to albums like OK Human by Weezer, you realize that Rivers can channel that same energy as well. And when you hear Dashboard do it, it's interesting. It's definitely worth checking out. I mean, is it better than the original? No, but it's definitely an interesting listen, especially if you're a fan of the song. I think it definitely fits lyrically in both of their wheelhouses because Dashboard Confessional really is like these like confessional like diary entries of of relational you know complications. And that's what El Scorcho is. It's just this guy who's just like, you know, too nervous to act on his crush. And so that part I could see making sense there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. So Gomez, track two. So my track two, I got something off the Red album. Everybody Get Dangerous. Interesting. I'll tell you one thing I like about this song. It has like a hip hop theme to it. Mm. And reading uh, about this uh I guess he was talking about how Rivers was talking about it, how he was listening to Eminem and how it overall was the influence of the song and which I kind of like, but talks about his days when he was living as a teenager in Connecticut and all the shenanigans he would pull and everything kind of reminds me of our younger days when we pulled a lot of shenanigans in our grammar school and high school days, <laughs> but I will give it a little movie reference. Um, it was in that shocking. Yeah. But guess what? It's not in Grand Theft Auto at all. It's the first <laughs> song ever to not be in Grand Theft Auto. Actually, it's a second song that has not been in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> it was in that um, movie uh, called 21 in 2008. It was about the kid with uh, counting cards of blackjack and all that stuff. It was in that movie. And, uh, oh, really? With Kevin Spacey? Yeah. 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 Kevin Spacey. Huh, I love that movie. It's a great movie. And I actually had to find it. And I did. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize that was Weezer at that point. And when I heard the song, I'm like, God, I was, I'm a bad host on that part. <laughs> but it's a great tune. I love it. But I know it probably did not make anybody's list. I did not include anything off the Red Album. And that's not because I don't like it. Because I actually genuinely like that album. There were just other songs that I felt needed to be represented. If I was going to pick three favorite songs off the Red Album, it would be Troublemaker, pork and beans and everybody get dangerous. So I, 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 it's definitely one of the top three on that album for me. It's a fun song. Just missed making the cut. Wow. Aaron. It did not make the cut for me either. That was uh, not a representative. All right. So on to my track two, I'm moving all the way ahead. Fast forward all the way into 2020 slash 2021. I'm going with one of the lead singles from Van Weezer. Hero. 
All right. This song kicks the album off. It's the lead track on the album. It is an unbelievable pop song. I love the Van Weezer album. It is such a fun listen. My middle school years was during the hairband explosion in the 80s. So all the excess of Poison and Motley Crue and Skid Row, I kind of grew up in that. And hearing Weezer channel that into their power pop works so well. And it's so much fun. And the song just kind of speaks to anybody who's ever been an outsider in any realm of their life. And the video is just so powerful, bringing everybody together during the COVID situation. And the message that was portrayed through that video is just such a great song. And let's be honest. Rivers knows how to pen a song that's going to get you singing along. And Hero is definitely one of those songs. There's an alternate version also called Hero Piano that features a more mellow, stripped-down version of the song, which I think is great, but it more aligns with the OK Human vibe that they were going with earlier in 2021. But I assume they're going to be sticking with the rock version for their live shows because that's the version that would fit into a set list unless they throw some curveballs, but who knows? I think this is a fantastic song. And before I say too much more about Van Weezer, I'm just going to say to check out the itches episode because we go into a lot of detail about 2021 in the world of Weezer. So that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> yeah. That, that contrast from Van Weezer to okay. Human is very fascinating to me. So yeah, we'll get more into that and it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, did Hero make anybody's list? It did not. If I was doing any Ricky Iglesias, yeah, I would make my list. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't refuse that one. <laughs> no, it did not make mine. Wow. I had to plug in that, though. I couldn't resist. I, I was thinking of a good niche for you on that one, Brian. No, I, I, I'm not going to lie. The, the, I like the Enrique <laughs> version. <laughs> anyway, Aaron, track three. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that as much as I did appreciate Van Weezer. I left them unrepresented here because there just were too many albums to try to figure out how to, how to work with. So, but it wasn't because they weren't worthy. Uh, my track three goes on to Maladroit, which I think is probably Weezer's most underrated album. And also probably their most metal album, at least until if you want to call Van Weezer metal, it's kind of more like a, I don't know, eighties metal, but mm -hmm. nonetheless, Yeah. <laughs> So I chose a, an album track from Maladroit called Burnt Jam. And Ooh, interesting. I'm a sucker for this song. I think there are a lot of tracks worthy of selection from that one. But this song starts with this like jazzy, like funk guitar lick kind of thing and segues that into what I think is one of the coolest riffs in the band's whole catalog. Uh, and not only that, but the song itself, it's very unorthodox in its structure because it has no actual chorus. It goes from a couple of verses into that riff, into a guitar solo, a little little part of a verse, and then right back into the riff and the jangly guitar again for the outro. And so that's a very unique thing, especially at this point in Weezer's career, where you think about the Green Album right before Maladroit was very pop rock, like by the numbers, catchy stuff, but all very structured. Uh, and then this one was a little bit more experimental, and it was kind of um, a forerunner for where they'd go from from there on future albums. And so. I think what's interesting about that song, because you had mentioned that musically it's kind of all over the place. 
if I'm not mistaken, wasn't that song originally supposed to be or originally debuted as an instrumental? And then they kind of yeah. weaved it into the version that you hear on Maladroit. Yeah. And that's what's cool is that, you know, we talk already about how you just mentioned how Rivers is great at writing catchy songs. But this one is catchy musically because the lyrics, there's not like I said, there's not much to them. And it's not the part that really sticks out. It's this the song would work perfectly if it remained an instrumental. I, I couldn't agree more. Unfortunately, I represent Maladroit in a different way. So we'll save that for a little later. Gomez? Uh, no, I did not make my list. Um, I actually did not listen to that album as much as you guys did. Um, <laughs> oh, it's a fun album, man. That's one of those ones. I, I completely agree with Aaron. It is the most Van Weezer album prior to Van Weezer. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's it's definitely a rock album. There's making no mistake at all. Oh, I believe you. I just, it, I don't know. I, I heard like the first two or three songs. And I just, I don't know. I wasn't, I didn't like it. All right. Well, why don't you uh, let us know what track three is? So track three, we are all on drugs. Great cut. To me, it's one of those, it's just a catchy tune. I mean, the first lines, when you're out with your friends and you're new Mercedes Benz and you're on drugs, that's pretty much sums up somewhat of my high school career. <laughs> Not me, because I didn't have a Mercedes. I actually had I was about a, to say, you didn't have a Mercedes. I, I had a Chevy Malibu, but it was close enough to a Mercedes Benz at that time. <laughs> you know, it was just one of those songs that uh, it just has that great hook. It's true. I mean, you could go any way with it. You can go with high on something, a little legitly a drug, or high just on life and just having a great time, going to a party and just enjoying yourself or drinking a beer or two. And no, it was not in a movie or anything else. No, no. And there was also an alternate version that some radio stations carried for that. They changed it out to We Are All In Love. Yes, yes, I remember that. Because of the fact that certain stations didn't want the the drugs reference. But lyrics aside, that song was going to be a hit. Yeah. Musically, that song has hit song written all over it. So, Aaron, did We Are All On Drugs make your list? It did not. Did not make mine either, but it does segue perfectly into the song that did make my list because I am staying on the same album. Okay. I'm staying with Make Believe in 2005, and I went with what I feel is the band's best power pop song. One of the singles released from the album, but truly a power pop masterpiece. Perfect situation. Ah, bastard. (laughs) This song from the soaring chorus, the piano, This song is timeless. Mm -hmm. This song speaks to everything that Weezer is. And man, it's just such a fun song. There's just something about it that grabs me every time I hear it. Even the chorus with just the woes. Normally, I'm not a big fan of (laughs) oohs and woes and stuff like that. But it just works so well in this song. And again, that goes to the music that we're talking about here. It really just is a perfect power pop song. I really don't know what else to say. I, I can't picture a Weezer playlist without this song in some facet. Didn't you hear me saying, you bastard? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually on my list. <laughs> Where at? Uh, for me, it would be my number eight. All right. All right. That was one of my songs I liked a lot. I still like We Are All on Drugs first. Uh, but probably one of their most successful songs to date. Deservingly. Yes, I mean, sometimes I don't like the, oh, whatever. I Some songs, I truly hate it. This one works. But I think one of my favorite, and I'm going to say just one line, I am the hero, but I'm the zero. Yeah. Uh. You know, it could be anybody in this, not, well, I can't say room. 
and anybody in the state of New Jersey or uh, Chicago over here. <laughs> it could be any two of us. You know what I mean? You know, we could be the heroes or we could be a zero too. It doesn't matter where you are. You are that perfect person. So yeah, the song speaks to everybody. It, really, does. it does. I'll agree with that. It did not make my list. Oh, so there's no trifecta still, you know, uh-huh. but that said, I will concur with everything you guys just said about that track. Personally, Make Believe is just an album that I still have a sour taste about in general. And so I didn't really give it much time for this. But and I think that the goodness that's on it gets buried beneath Beverly Hills, which I is was just going to say that, <laughs> which is, is probably, you know, one of their, their most pandering and divisive songs. But within that, you know, it's hard to believe that that song and Perfect Situation, which really is a fantastic track, are on the same album. They're back to back. I feel like Perfect Situation should also be titled I'm Sorry for Beverly Hills. It's it's a very (laughs) this this they did a very strange thing there of positioning like one of their worst songs, at least to that point. I actually might argue that they got worse later on for a bit. Next to one of their best at that point, it was a, it was you see the whole Weezer dichotomy in like six minutes. So, <laughs> well, we're right back to you for track four, Aaron. Okay, so my track four does still flows out of Gomez's uh, previous one that he mentioned, but for very different reasons. So, my track four is Hash Pipe from the Green Album, and it is a track that's uh, origins allegedly involve drugs. The story goes that Rivers. Uh, writing process at that point often involved taking some Ritalin and tequila shots, uh, which I'm not going to recommend, but I'm just reporting history. And uh, he wrote this song and Dope Nose from Maladroit back to back. What a one-two punch, man. Yeah, yeah. And and, and um, lyrically appropriate for what he was up to. Uh, and so... It's uh, it's also another one of those tracks that radio was nervous about. I don't know if you guys remember, there was also an edit of this song that was called Half Pipe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to make it appear to be about skating instead of smoking. And so that that was silly. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, the Green Album to me is Weezer's like, they just, especially after Blue and Pinkerton, it doesn't have much personality in terms of, it was it was famous for, for Rivers shutting down. Like, I'm not going to allow you into my deeper thoughts. All the songs are very innocuous and like about nothing most of the time. This one is a little bit of an exception. It's a strange song about a gay drug addict transvestite prostitute. <laughs> it's not the easiest thing to connect to or the most standard subject matter, but man, that riff though, <laughs> it was a huge hit. It remains one of their biggest hits to this day. Could not agree more. And the fact that he wrote this riff initially for Ozzy yeah. is mind blowing to me because every time I hear the song, I try to picture <laughs> Ozzy's vocals over it. And I just can't because no <laughs> hash pipe is so solidified in. Can you picture Ozzy doing? Can't help it. I just can't. Every now, ever since I heard that fact that Rivers said that he originally tried to offer that track to Ozzy, that's all I've wanted is to hear Ozzy do it because I am so curious how that would sound. Not now, though. <laughs> well, maybe not now. He doesn't have as much range as he did back in the day, kids. Uh, that is true. Well, not if you give him a little something, something, then he'd probably hit him. Maybe if he hit the hash pipe, he'd be able to again. It might be more than a hash pipe. (laughs) I love the song. It's my track nine. I think everything you said, Aaron, really sums up the song well. I will throw my cover version in because, man, I love the story of Weezer and Toto Mm. and the whole bromance that they, they did between 2018 and 2019. And Weezer 
covering Africa, well, covering Rosanna first and then Africa and then Toto tipping their hat back to Weezer with a cover of Hashpipe. It was just so much fun. I know there were some Toto fans that were getting mad. Like, why why is Toto wasting their time with such a band like Weezer? They're musicians. They're having fun. And you feel it in both that and Africa. And I, I, I just love the song. I think Aaron really summed it up well. It's my track nine. Can I tell you my real quick, my favorite thing about that whole story was that there was this petition going on on Twitter or something. Some girl kept telling Weezer to, to cover Africa. And so yes. the fact that they released a cover of Rosanna first cracked me up. I was like, they were teasing. They're like, we're going to give you what you want. Almost. <laughs> I laughed so hard when they said, we're dropping a Toto cover. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't say what song, though. So they really trolled it was everybody. It was masterful trolling. I love okay, it. Okay, well, then we'll talk about that later, guys. That, yes. All right. Hashpipe, Gomez. And actually, we have a trifecta. Hey. Hashpipe actually ended up my Playlist Wars album here. Oh, track 10. It was my number 10. Uh, you can't go wrong with the song, first of all. Mm-hmm. If anybody who watched MTV back in the day, people, Yes, MTV used to play music videos. <laughs> and I remember the video, and the first thing I see is a freaking sumo wrestler. And you're going, what the hell am I listening to? And there, there was no explanation for it, but it was in a movie, and I'm going to go with American <laughs> Pie 2. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. It was in that. How can you forget about that? It's a memorable scene. It's before Jim gets himself stuck. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the riff alone. So simple and so perfect. It remains to this day, Hashpipe, one of the like five bass lines that I still remember how to play because I literally <laughs> learned and then forgot how to play bass. I'm telling <laughs> you, it's got to be up there. If you were to do research on ha- like what are the first songs people try to play when they pick up an instrument? Yeah. I mean, look, I get it. Smoke on the Water, Iron Man. Hashpipe is probably that riff just... Zero zero two three zero zero two three, just over and over again. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's honestly the first thing that I play whenever I do pull my bass out of the cobwebs. So what you're saying is, when you go into a music store, that's the "May I Help You" riff you play. Yeah, that's my, exactly. It's Ashpipe. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> Gomez, track four. Uh, track four. Wow. Okay, I went off the original album, the Blue album. My name is Jonas. Mm. Um, I'm happy you did that. I don't know, something about this song. I mean, this album had Buddy Holly, Say It Ain't So, Undone the Sweater song. You had four or five great hits off this album. But the first song, My Name is Jonas, is probably one of my favorite songs out of this album. And this one was about his brother that got into a serious car accident while in college. You know, being there for him and all that stuff. And um, one of the only ones I learned how to play guitar is Guitar Hero. And actually, I played that song. In the video game, Guitar Hero 3 Legends of Rock was actually in that. And um, to this day, I still love that video game. If I still had it, I'd be playing it right now as we speak. But I don't (laughs) have it. I got a PlayStation 5 now. I I need an update version. But again, Weezer has a lot of great songs. But My Name is Jonas is like probably one of my favorites out of that album. Aaron? I concur with all of that. Um, I was this close to putting that as my lead track before I decided to stick with Buddy Holly instead. But it did not make my list, but I do love it. I love everything about My Name is Jonas. I love it, too. I'm a sucker for track ones Yeah, that kick off a band's best album and a band's career. Unfortunately, 
again, it's not my favorite song on the Blue album. So we'll get to that later. (laughs) I love the song, though. So that's all I'll say for now. And my track four, I'm sticking with 2021 because OK Human was such a left turn dropping prior to Van Weezer coming out because Van Weezer was announced pre-COVID in 2020 to be the lead album that the band went out with for the Hella Mega Tour with Green Day and Fallout Boy. Then COVID happens. They hold Van Weezer till May of 2021. And then in the middle of winter, they drop this album with a symphony. And most people would raise an eyebrow to that. And I did too when I first heard they were doing it. But my first fear was that we were going to get Buddy Holly with an orchestra and we were going to get Hashpipe with an orchestra. I was so happy to hear that they went and did original music because there are some amazing songs. And the one that I chose from this album was all my favorite songs. It is a soaring chorus. And it's one of those songs when you hear it, you know this song could definitely fit on other Weezer albums. So much so, there's another version that dropped after Van Weezer, which features this pop group called AJR, something my daughter listens to. And they did a version of this song. And I feel like when I hear that, that's how the band is probably going to represent OK Human in concert. Because when you hear this version, there's definitely a more rock vibe to it. And I can hear it fitting in a live Weezer set because the orchestra kind of becomes delegated to just filler, which you could probably pull off on a keyboard at that point. But the rest of the album is so fantastic. However, this song is just a wonderful tune. The ode to the Beach Boys and the ode to Pet Sounds, I get everything they're trying to do on that album. I felt they succeeded in it. I feel like 2021 is definitely a memorable year in this band's history. And all my favorite songs is a big reason to that. Yep, yep, yep. That's a solid work right there. That it is. I can argue with none of that. <laughs> I'm guessing by the silence, though, prior to that, that it made no one else's list. I gave you a golf clap. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not make my list, Brian. Sorry. Neither did it make mine. Bummer. Again, not because it's not worthy, but because 10 is a small number and they have a lot of albums. Amen. And that's why I did the approach of only picking one song so I can kind of hit different eras of the band. But with that being said, we still got a long ways to go. So Aaron, track five. I took a similar approach to what you did. And so uh, my track five is from the Red Album. It's their representative. And I chose the track Dreamin', which I adore. I think it is. I think adore is actually the right word. I think the song is adorable. I think it's just a very cute song. And uh, it starts out really traditional with those chuggy, distorted guitars and the harmonies and, and the woohoos. And then like halfway through the song, it just breaks down. It just goes slows down into this full on like sonata and turns into a complete acapella song with just back and forth vocals and like chirping birds for like a minute. And then the guitar builds back up into the chorus again. I don't think I've ever heard a Weezer song that was so symmetrical like that. <laughs> And I just, I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was a, a, one example, the red album, I would say it's a strange mess of ambition and they try a lot of things on there and some of them work beautifully and some of them work not at all. And some of them are kind of a mixed bag. And I think that dreaming is the part of that album 
where to me it all works perfectly together gomez i did not make my list but it's a great tune did not make my list but when i hear dreaming i think about the second half to everything will be all right and the futurescape trilogy that they put at the end of that album and i feel like that might not have happened had it not been for songs like dreaming so i definitely see where they're going kind of with these songs that kind of i don't want to you know if i say it reminds me of and i and i'm going to say a song here it's going to piss people off uh, i'm just going to say it scenes from an italian restaurant by billy joel oh okay they tried a lot of different things in one song and kind of put it together with that kind of a song structure. And I respect the, the ever loving hell out of that. <laughs> it's not actually the song I thought you were going to say. So that was surprised me a little bit. What did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to go into Bohemian Rhapsody, which I think was what Weezer was trying to do on a different song on red. Right. Well, that's why I didn't bring it up on that one because yeah, the greatest man that ever lived. Yes. That feels like their homage to Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. But I didn't want to use that same analogy with two songs from that album. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, I was literally spending that whole time trying to think of another song that had different parts to it. So <laughs> I, I went with Billy Joel. That was, that was a, good, a good call there. Yeah, yeah. So, unfortunately, didn't make my list. Again, I did not represent the Red Album, and I, I kind of feel guilty about it because while it's not a perfect album, there are some songs that I do feel stand up against a lot of their other stuff unfortunately some of them just got cut out in in my list gomez your track five so my track five i went back to the blue album i have a lot of songs from there say it ain't so Uh another great song Uh, again it beat out body holly too and i'll tell you i I know there was a music video but uh also i'm gonna steal a little bit of brian's thunder uh because it was done by a, a weezer tribute album rock music a tribute to weezer and i think further seems forever covered that song mm-hmm. i remember that one yeah to me it's a, a sad song but uh, you know i think it made him stronger in a way uh to be who he is today and it's actually one of the songs i tried learning to play on guitar in my rocksmith 2014 when laura bought it for me my <laughs> wife bought it for me for my birthday until i broke my guitar <laughs> oh no yeah we were moving to my new house and my guitar fell no, that's not the right story, Gomez. You need to say that you were mimicking a band smashing the guitar at the end of the set. That's Brian, what you have to go with. That ain't happening because anybody who knows me and seen my picture, they know I'm not on a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I absolutely love this song. Again, not my pick from the Blue Album. However, this was the first song I ever covered by Weezer with my first college band way back in North Carolina. And I love the song. There's just something about that riff, that crunchy chorus. Uh-huh. You just want to scream it at the top of your lungs. It is a classic from a classic album by this band. And it's out of the singles released on this album. It's definitely the most powerful. I'll use quote marks. Yeah, he taps into an emotion that he doesn't tap into that often. And I have very fond memories of this song of of driving, taking accidental road trips when you take the wrong highway and go to the wrong town with some friends in high school and just playing the Blue Album and just belting Say It Ain't So out the window. (laughs) Yeah. It's a perfect belter. It's It's a great road trip album. Let's just call it that. Yes. So, Aaron, did Say It Ain't So make your list? As much as I love it, it did not. Yeah, this is tough. Believe it or not, I really did think there would be more crossovers and trifectas in this episode. But my God, you know, you don't think about a band from the 90s having such a vast catalog. 
and they really do. And you know, it's uh, one thing I, I didn't mention. You know, I know you're a big fan of the cars. Very much so. But Rick Okasik produced a lot of some of their earlier Weezer stuff. He produced a lot of stuff from Weezer. And, and I'm kind of shocked that I didn't know that until now, actually. Three of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, Rick Okasik is the king of self-deprecation in music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you don't hear that influence in Weezer, you just don't get it. Because Rivers has a lot of that woven throughout the music. And to me, I feel that Rivers is influenced by Rick. And having him produce those two albums, I really felt shaped Weezer into the band they could become. Because the I, I hear in some of the lyrics by Weezer, maybe in some of their earlier stuff, not as much so in recent years, but I definitely hear a Rick influence in their music. So I will talk a little bit more about Rick later on because everyone knows my thoughts about if you want to go back plug time here, we have a whole episode dedicated to the music of the cars. So I talk about Rick Okasik a ton on that episode, but I'll get to him a little bit later on in this one as well. But for my track five, I'm actually going with an album that I kind of think that nobody's going to include in any way, shape or form. And to me, it is probably one of the band's worst albums but it does feature a song that I genuinely love. It was co-written by Desmond Child. And Desmond Child, for any fan of the 80s, this guy knows how to write hits. He made Bon Jovi into the mega superstars that they are. And on 2010's Hurley, he co-wrote a song with Rivers called Trainwrecks, Uh as well as playing piano on that track. This song is soaring. It's got Desmond written all over it. And I feel that Desmond and Rivers really created a fantastic pop rock song here that was kind of thrown into this album that really was hit or miss for me. I mean, where the Red album has peaks and valleys, this one has like plunge to your death garbage and then soaring heights of a song like Trainwrecks, which I'm going to go on a limb and say that this was written about the Jersey Shore, because 2010 was probably around that time. Listen to the lyrics. It, it feels like people on those type of shows were kind of what he was calling out in this song, whether that's true or not, or if it's just people in general, that connection is not the reason I like the song. The music is the reason I love this one. I'm guessing it's not on anyone's playlist, but I'd be curious to see what your thoughts are on this. Scene. I'm not going to lie. I don't have a lot to say about train wrecks it's, uh, itself but i will give a minor spoiler that i do include a hurley song later oh interesting okay yeah, it surprised okay. me too to be honest yeah because it really is not a good album but it's it's one of their least memorable ones i mean the most memorable thing about it is that they included a photo of hurley from lost on the cover yeah. and <laughs> but there are a couple of gems in there and i think you might have found one and i think i might have found one so All right, Gomez. Nope, did not make my list. Sorry, boys. All right, we are at the halfway point. Here's where you'd flip the vinyl over, turn the cassette around. But the CD or the playlist, depending what you're fans of here, just keeps on going. So with that being said, Aaron, our fantastic guest from the Itch Rock and Radio (laughs) podcast, why don't you kick things off with track six? I'm glad you mentioned the whole flip the vinyl kind of thing, because... I chose my track six. Well, I placed my track six where it is for that very reason. This song is one that I believe is one of Weezer's better opening tracks in general. I think it's a 
great lead for a side B if we were playing this as a vinyl. And it's kind of the opening salvo of what I would consider a renaissance after a a number of kind of lackluster albums, including Hurley that we mentioned. And that is Ain't Got Nobody from Everything Will Be All Right in the End. They had some weird years in there in the middle where they put out a lot of music that didn't really amount to all that much. But this one, this song has a build. It has to be super fun in concert. And I think that that everything will be all right in the end is is that album that those old school Weezer fans had been waiting for since at least Maladroit, maybe as far back as Pinkerton, to be honest. And so and as we mentioned, uh, Rick Ocasek before, this was the final album that he produced with them. And uh, I, I think that this is a, a great opener. And I was happy to represent that album with this song. Well, I'm glad you said that because Ain't Got Nobody is my track seven. Oh. All right. You also mentioned exactly where I was heading with Rick Ocasek. This is one of the last albums that Rick produced, not the last album, but one of the last albums that he had his touch on. And you cannot start a Weezer album with a more fun opening song you cannot it was almost my number one just because if i were playing this as an album this playlist it would have been such a great starter i mean it really is it just builds and it kicks you right in the face right from the beginning it's got that heft and that drive to it but it's also insanely catchy even the do 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 do's at the Mm -hmm. end which again i'm not a fan of that but weezer makes it so friggin catchy you can't not like it. I struggled with this one because, believe it or not, the one-two punch from Everything Will Be All Right in the End, I've been bouncing back and forth and back and forth and back and forth with. And just before taping, Ain't Got Nobody edged out back to the shack, which I also love. <laughs> it did the same thing with me. Uh, and I can tell you why, which is just because I thought Back in the Shack was just a little too self-referential. And I was trying to avoid those like meta kind of songs in my particular list. But man, the music to that one, the, the riffs in that one is, is fantastic. Back to the Shack is the most Pinkerton thing the band has done since Pinkerton. Could be right, yeah. And I do love the story because it is basically Rivers talking to Weezer fans. Yeah. And the whole disco sucks thing, you know, the play on the fact that Ratitude was based on... I don't want to call it a disco album, but it's a pop album. And the reference, if you look at the Ratitude album cover, it references a font that was used in the 1970s on a T-shirt that Steve Dahl wore that says disco sucks. And the line in the song, I forgot that disco sucks, (laughs) is a throwback kind of in two ways. It throws back to Steve Dahl's use of the T-shirt, but it also s*** all over Ratitude. (laughs) (laughs) in a Weezer song, which is almost like River's way of saying, sorry, my bad. And I feel like this album, the fact that Rick was back on it, it just felt very old school Weezer. I know that was probably the intent. It was that Rick Rubin approach of let's go back to what worked in the beginning and do it again. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't Here It worked really well. Ain't got nobody is just a catchier song then back to the shack, but I love both of them. Yep. Gomez. Um, sorry. No trifecta boys did not make my list. Bummer. All right. Well then we're up to you for track six. All right. So track six, I went to the teal album and you guys were talking about it before I chose this own Africa. First of all, I love the original from Toto back in 82. 
It's a great song. And I think Weezer did a great updating the song. And I just love the way they did it. It's just the, the way it's just like a mellow song. It's really cool. Down to earth. I loved it. And that would be my number six on my playlist. <laughs> well, man, we're starting to close my playlist out quickly here because that's my track eight. Like I said, I love the story of the bromance between Toto and Weezer. And in listening through, I wanted to tell that story. So track eight, Africa, track nine, Hashpipe, the little back and forth, mm-hmm. give and take from those two songs. Ah, well played. I love the original. When Weezer came out with it, I'll be honest, I wasn't the most massive fan of Weezer's version. Then I saw the video with Weird Al in Rivers Place. Shout out to our friends at the Beard Al podcast. Yep. But Africa, when I saw the video and I heard the story behind it, I fell in love with the story. I fell in love with the idea behind it. Then Toto made it even better when they did Hashpipe. But the real reason why this song made my playlist is not so much the story. It's the fact that it got my 12-year-old to ask, Dad, can you find me some more Weezer? You would not have Van Weezer or OK Human if Africa didn't happen. It revitalized the band and made them popular amongst a brand new generation, including my children. So the fact is, the day before this taping, so yesterday, I had to go run some errands with my daughter. And we listened to my mixed CD, which starts off with these first 10 songs. What's a mixed CD? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what? Hey, you know what, Brian? If you think about it, no one knows what a mixed CD is now anymore. I know. I know. But look, I, I, I was talking to so many people that don't even have CD players in their car anymore. I'm glad I do. I Believe it or not, when I bought the base model, the guy tried to sell me the car, almost playing it down to me going, well, if you get the new model, it comes with our excellent entertainment system, but the base model just has a CD player. I said, dude, you just sold me on the base model, moron. I want the CD player. <laughs> I'm not going to pay more money to not have a CD player. Oh anyway, <laughs> the fact that it brought my daughter and I together that I could play her songs like Hero, Perfect Situation, all my favorite songs, Trainwrecks, El Scorcho, Hashpipe, and talk about these songs with her just made my day. And Coming back yesterday, we put on three videos in a row. We watched Buddy Holly. We watched another song, which I'll get to next. And we watched Africa. And these three videos, she just turned to me. She goes, God, these guys are awesome. And it just made me feel so happy because there's not many bands that my 12-year-old and I really see eye to eye on. And because of this song, we do. So (laughs) that is uh, my track eight. Aaron? So Africa. I am a big fan of anything that makes people either look into Weezer more or look into Toto more. And so I, and just the song Africa in general, I love when it makes appearances in pop culture. So the fact that Weezer's cover kind of brought that back into the public eye uh, is great. Uh, That said, it did not make my list and I'm not, I think that like pretty much the entirety of the Teal album, uh, Weezer's version of Africa was passable and faithful, but not anything special. If that makes sense, they started with a great song, so the bar was already high. I didn't, I, they didn't botch it or destroy it, but I don't think they did anything other than just remind people of it. To me, I completely agree with that. Had my daughter looked at me and said, "Dad, that version of Africa by Weezer sucks," 
it might not have made my playlist, but the fact that we bonded over a band because of it, oh, yeah. it now holds an extra special play. <laughs> it made my playlist today. It wasn't on it prior to her and I going out for errands yesterday. A personal connection is, is means everything in music. And so yeah. having those memories and stuff, that's more than fair enough justification for it to show up on a list. <laughs> yes. And with that being said, the second video that I showed her as soon as we got home, because she didn't believe me, I said, Allison, Weezer's done videos with the Muppets. Oh, and she goes, no, yeah. they didn't. My track six, Keep Fishing from 2002's Maladroit. The song is stupid catchy. I mean, you just are bopping up and down. You feel like a Muppet when you listen to this song. <laughs> it should go as no surprise that anyone that's known me for more than 30 seconds knows I'm a big fan of the Muppets. My uh-huh. kids love the Muppets. I think I've showed her Keep Fishing before, but it was more, hey, watch this Muppet video. I don't think she really got the whole Weezer connection until yesterday when we started talking about Weezer. Keep Fishing was in my playlist regardless because I love the song. The fact that it was Weezer and the Muppets, anybody that knows me knows that there was no way this wasn't making my playlist. So it's a fantastic, fun song. The video is so memorable. I mean, the Muppets haven't done many great things post-2000, except for the movie with Jason Segel. But Keep Fishing is one of the good things they've done in the last 20 years, and can't say enough fun things about it. Love it, love it, love it. Until I decided to go deep cut with Burnt Jam for Maladroit, I Keep Fishing was right there. It's an honorable mention for me, mostly on the strength of that video. And so I'm, I'm with you on that one. But there's only so much room. Yeah, yeah. Gomez? So sorry. It did not make mine. All right. Well, this is going to be tough because now I am all but one song closed out. So now it's kind of Ooh. a battle between you two guys. I actually only have two more songs on my battle here. Yeah, so we're starting to close up shop here. So, Aaron, let's move this along. Track seven. All right, track seven. So we we mentioned a minute ago that uh, Ratitude largely sucks. Uh, I'll just leave it at that that part. There's, uh, (laughs) I think there are three good things about Ratitude. One is the dog on the cover, which cracks me up. (laughs) Two is uh, the a number of the B sides that you can find on the deluxe edition. One thing I've noticed about Weezer is that sometimes it's not that they have a problem of writing good songs. Sometimes they just have a problem of figuring out how to weed out the right ones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A number of their albums have B-sides that I I think are far better than what made the album. The Red Album is another example of that. But Oh, man. The Red Album has some great ones. There's a couple good ones on the White Album as well and Ratitude. The third good thing about Ratitude to me is the lead single, If You're Wondering If I Want You To, I Want You To. And I just think that that is the catchiest little thing, like one of the most legitimately catchy songs ever from a band that thrives on writing catchy pop songs. Um, And it's one of the rare tracks that puts aside those kind of chugging distorted guitars and uses a lot more of that jangle and kind of that toe tapping. And thematically, it's a song I can relate to. It's a it's a guy singing about uh, how he's kind of awkward when it comes to to women and a little too nervous to make the first move. So he was sort of hoping that she would do it first. Funny enough, he said that that song is actually about the woman who would eventually become his wife. So it's it's a nice little cute like memory for him of their early interactions. And so um, that's my highlight from Ratitude. And I, I almost left that whole album out, but I personally just like that particular song so much that I had to I had to include it. Man, oh man. Oh man. Aaron, 
that was the song I swapped out Africa for. <laughs> In my opinion, there are really only two salvageable songs from Ratitude, and it's the one you mentioned and The Girl Got Hot. And there's only a reason for that. If you know anything about the album, these are the two songs that were co-written by Butch Walker. Ah. And Butch Walker, who is in The Marvelous Three and has had a fantastic storied solo career, knows how to pen an amazing pop song. Yes. And those are the only two highlights from Ratitude to me. And it's because of Butch Walker, I think. I feel like the other people they co-wrote with did not bring out the best in Weezer. I feel like it might have been a fun experiment for Rivers to write with different people. But the only two ones that worked were The Girl Got Hot. And if you were wondering if I want to, I want you to. And that's because of Butch Walker's inclusion in that. I'll let you in on a little secret here. So one thing that I've I've kind of dreamt of doing, we haven't done it on The Itch yet, at least not very much, but um, occasionally I will, speaking of uh, like mixed CDs or whatever you said earlier, I will take an album and try to see if I can improve on it, uh, you know, retroactively using some of those songs. And I, I did that uh, as a little, just an exercise one time a couple years ago with Ratitude and swapped in some of those B-sides and Anytime I have the urge to listen to this, which is still rare, I, I go to my own mix, which I'm like, this is, I feel like an actual legitimately solid tune with if you do a lot of work, because there's so much to weed out, like you said, but um, there's salvageable stuff in in almost even the worst Weezer album, but it sometimes it's hard to get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gomez. No, I did not make my list, but you guys talked very beautifully about that song. Uh, so no it did not make my list guys I'm sorry well then that being said track 7 track 7 I went with Beverly Hills oh (laughs) sorry it's it's the divisive one it's the the most divisive one so you're gonna be our guy yeah I'm gonna be that guy because you know what Brian had a piece of crap car too one day and he probably drive through Alpine New Jersey which is like the Beverly Hills of New Jersey yeah yeah you know what I mean and come on he he thinks he is a celebrity because he's Brian Colburn so he of rolls course, like I that. have Naturally. I have 500 followers on Twitter. Damn it! Wow, good for you. <laughs> envious, <laughs> envious. It, it was just one of those catchy songs, and um, oh, I just liked the song. It was great. I I just love the entrance to that song uh, with the guitar and the the first lines. Where I come from is isn't great at all. My automobile is a piece of crap. My fashion sense is like a whack, and my friends are as screwy as me. It's like the first perfect verse for me because. My car back in the day was a piece of crap. <laughs> Hence, you know, I went on a road trip with Brian and my car broke on us one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fashion sense, I, I don't have any. <laughs> and my friends are as screwy as I am. So it's just a great song overall. You know what I mean? It does talk about what it is like to be living in Beverly Hills. I guess coming from, you know, you went to Connecticut and you're going to California and you're seeing Beverly Hills for the first time ever. You're like an outsider. You know what I mean? So it's like you, you feel different. And you know where you re- you know where you came from, so it's one of those things. Look, I don't hate the song. Yes, My daughter do. actually really enjoyed it uh, when I played it for her yesterday. It's a massive, massive, massive hit for the band, and I get it. It's catchy, but to me, having played in cover bands, I only had to play that song once in all my years of playing in cover bands, and once was enough. <laughs> I almost fell asleep on stage chugging from the e to the a back and forth it was just boring and um yeah so that's what kind of killed the song for me to be perfectly honest that one night i had to play it live i just yawn 
Anyway, Aaron, <laughs> I'm I'm not a huge fan of it of the song either. I will say this, Gomez. What I appreciate, I think you and I have very little overlap in our lists as mm-hmm. far as I can tell so far. But what I appreciate is that you, when you're listening to these tracks, are looking for yourself in them and yeah. finding you have so many tracks where you're like, I relate to everything that's happening right here. And you I, know, I have a lot of appreciation for that way of that approach to, t- to music. You know, because so. Brian being he is more of the music nerd than I am. And so for me, I try to figure out a, a, a way to describe the song. And I feel like. If I could describe it in a way of my life, I feel that that's how I could participate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in and, and the movies and the video games. But Weezer was not in a lot of movies or video games, so this was actually harder for me. Uh, it was like a challenge. And and a lot of their songs I can relate because I've been there before. I mean, my parents never got divorced, but you know, if I did, I probably would have had the same issues. You know what I mean? growing up probably when you think about it i know a couple of people's parents who were divorced and i saw them go through the same thing um beverly hills just kind of reminds me of north jersey a little bit uh except you know <laughs> alpine new jersey and beverly hills are shoot how can i say it they're both really richy towns but i would be thrown out of alpine so quick it's not even funny we need a lot of patron subscribers in order to live there let's just say that <laughs> let's put it this way if we hit three million people and i can afford a house up there i'll be greatly thankful to the listeners Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I'll take Brian. He'll live in the guest house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that being said, track eight, my pick was Africa. Gomez, you were perfect situation. Aaron, we're up to you. All right. Back to me. I can, I can work with this. My track eight is what I consider Weezer's best B-side. And that is, as we just mentioned, they have a lot of quality B-sides. So that's, I think, high praise. This song was used on the Good Life single. And was originally intended for Songs from the Black Hole, which is this like mythical concept album that was lost to time that they abandoned in favor of what would end up becoming Pinkerton. Uh, And the track is called I Just Threw Out the Love of My Dreams. And uh, it's the first and only Weezer song in in my recollection that has a full on female lead vocals. Uh, It's done by a woman named Rachel Hayden of a band called That Dog and of The Rentals. And she just nails it. Rivers kind of. Uh, sings a little, little, you know, like harmony, a little support, and kind of comes in a little towards the end. But uh, but River isn't the the main focus. She is, and musically and and lyrically, that song. I remember listening to this even back in like high school on road trips. I had made a mix CD of all of the Weezer rarities that I could find on Kazaa or whatever Napster or whatever I was downloading things illegally off of. And the, the and views even, of Aaron do not necessarily reflect the views of Gomez or Brian or Playlist Wars in its entire. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. Go ahead. Again, I'm not <laughs> angling for people to do such things. I'm just stating the history. And so, <laughs> but even then, as a high schooler, like I listened to this track and I just like this is special. Like this is, and, and Pinkerton. I would argue that this song deserves a place on that album, with full knowledge that that album is as highly regarded as it is. I think this is still that good. I just I think it's beautiful. It's an uh, introduction sort of of those synths that they would end up using a lot later to less quality effect. And it's it's to me the highest representation of of the claim that I kind of keep making, which is that this band's leftovers are full of gems. I agree with everything you said about it. I would actually be interested to hear where you would sequence it in Pinkerton, to be honest. I'm not sure yet. I'll get back to you after later on about that. All right. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> So it did not make my list. My I have one track left. It's from the Blue Album. No one's mentioned it yet. I'll be curious to see if it does get brought up or not. 
Gomez, you have one song left. Is this your track nine? No, it is not. Okay, so Aaron, my track nine is Hashpipe. We are back to you again. Again. For <laughs> again. Anyway, Aaron, track nine, man. Track nine. This is where I'm I'm throwing in that Hurley song that I mentioned earlier. And, and this was hard for me because when you hear my track 10, you'll see I really didn't want to leave the White Album unmentioned because I honestly think that start to finish the White Album is maybe the most solid thing that they did since Pinkerton. But nonetheless, this particular track from Hurley, I love so much that I was just like, it makes it on its own merit. And it's called Unspoken. I just think it's one of the best deep cuts. It rarely gets played, rarely gets talked about. Um, But it's this track that does something that Weezer did a lot on the Blue Album and then much less later on, which is it, it starts out mostly acoustic and the heavy distortion doesn't come in until later. And so... It starts acoustic. It has these great raw vocals that as the song goes on, they, they kind of turn into gang vocals. And this song is, to me, darker than most Weezer songs. It, it's about it's basically about living in silent hatred with someone you've come to resent. And it's another one that he uh, he wrote, I believe he said, soon after getting married or at least anticipating his marriage. So this was kind of the opposite of I want you to in terms of the sentiment being shared. But the last minute of this one is one of the heaviest, angriest, I think most intense moments in their whole catalog. And the riff at the end of Unspoken is so nasty. Like, I I pretty much promise you that you will headbang when you hear this song. It's one of the best songs on Hurley that isn't Trainwrecks to me. Yes. And it is the only song that isn't co-written. Yes, that too. On that album. And to me, that is why it's so good. Because I feel, again, like Ratitude, Rivers is fine creating and writing his own music. I feel like the outside writers tainted Weezer in a way. And Unspoken is an argument for that statement because it's one of the strongest songs on the album. I can fully agree with that. Oh, and as a bonus, it also includes some flute. So that's not something you get too often in Weezer songs. Not until OK Human. That's right. Yeah. Gomez. No, I did not make my list, though. Sorry again. I'm not surprised. That was a very left field choice for me. I'm still standing fully by it. I'm very proud of that track. I I feel like, (laughs) to be honest, Aaron, we we only know each other through our, our conversations online. And this is the first time we're doing a show together. But I have a feeling both you for Unspoken and my train wrecks is going to get like, huh? From some people. I just, but I, I, I kind of like those throws in there. You know, gonna, I'm going to hope that that that's balanced off by Gomez, including Beverly Hills. And so <laughs> that's what I'm, that's what I'm crossing my fingers for on this. Yeah. That, that's probably where I might beat both of you guys. We'll see. You, you never know. know. I mean, there could be a lot of guys who say, I love that song. And why are you talking so negative about it? It's true. Us, us not liking it as much as you are might actually work against us so hey hey, at least nobody's put any weezer christmas songs because there are weezer christmas songs thank you very very much yeah there is actually it's my number nine really (laughs) i'm only joking i Ah. i I wouldn't i see i would never be like that so no (laughs) wait okay i'm saving that quote for our christmas songs episode so now you're gonna have to do the whole episode without mentioning a christmas song no christmas song is different oh loser you're the loser (laughs) Listen, Christmas is different. When a Christmas song comes, that's when it comes. Nope. I, I don't it's one of U2's it. best. I stand by my pick. It is, but it did not belong on the playlist wars time of U2. All the people that voted for me agree. Dude, one person <laughs> I voted vote, for myself. You're the vote. <laughs> 
for the record, folks, if you're fans of the show, throw me some YouTube votes because I am getting truly slaughtered in that episode. And I think we're at the point that pandering is needed. But anyway, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> well, Gomez, while you're in speaking of pandering, why don't you close your playlist out with track nine? Beverly Hills again? No, not Beverly okay. Hills. I actually went back to the Teal album. Jackass. <laughs> I just like the idea that someone might actually, I don't know if that's even allowed, but maybe one day somebody puts the same song in there twice. They're just like, I'm sorry, I love this too much. I can't. You need to hear it again at the beginning and the end of this playlist. <laughs> I actually went with an old tune from in the Teal album. It's the last song, Stand By Me. Oh, interesting pick from that album. I loved it. How can I describe it? It's just a great song. First of all, I love the original tremendously. Loved the movie even more. But that song, just every time I hear it, no matter who sings it, it's just a great song. And hearing that, I wanted it to be my number 10, but I had hash pipe and I wanted a popular song at the end. You know what I mean? But um, Stand By Me, just it's just a great song. And it was just my favorite song next to Africa on this album. To me, thank God Weezer put out the Teal album. I know it got mixed reviews, but it did cleanse the palette for what would be the black album that came out a, f a month or so later that yeah. album i've tried several times Ooh. it has not grown on me yet no black uh, album yeah there's something i i don't know maybe i got to be in a different frame of mind when i listen to it but the teal album as safe as the covers were I really enjoyed their take on happy together by the turtles mm -hmm. i felt like they brought a little something different to their version not much but again and stand by me was a nice cover to close that album out with would the teal album make my top three weezer albums no but do i enjoy listening to it yes so i have nothing bad to say about the song i love the original too unfortunately did not make my list Aaron, um, I'm guessing you didn't close with it, but you could surprise me. So, <laughs> yeah, I did not close with it. I, I will, to your point, say that the Teal album was sandwiched in between Black and Pacific Daydream. The point either way, and this, I think you actually made the point even more. Black and Pacific Daydream, I, I think, are the least memorable Weezers. Even the even the bad albums before that. I, I know stuff from them. I've listened to Pacific Daydream off and on for four years, and I can't tell you a song off of it. That's like, they're totally forgettable. At least Teal is something. You you, you know, it's not changing the game with it, but it's a fun little thing that they threw in there to have fun. And it's like, I don't know. If you take out those other two, it's a nice little segue between their renaissance of everything will be all right and, and the White Album and then into OK Human and Van Weezer. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. If the Teal album didn't happen and they put out something that was along the lines of the Black Album, the Black Album or Pacific Daydream, that could have been like a third nail in a four nail coffin yeah. for the band. Yeah, it really could have. They were lucky for me that they survived uh, Eratitude, Death to False Metal and Hurley. Like the, the gems were few and far between there, but they did. They're such a weird up and down band. Yeah, they, yeah. So weird. Wow. So I could say early now that we will only have one trifecta tonight. I, I'll be honest. I wasn't expecting any with such <laughs> a, a big catalog here, but there's one song left for track 10. Gomez, you went with Hashpipe, like you said before. Yes. Aaron, it's you and me for track 10 to close this out. So what do you have? And you already revealed, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that, that you went blue for the last one. 
Yes, I did. And I already revealed that it was hard for me to put anything else in the place of Blue Tracks. So we, we may at least get two out of three on this one. I closed this playlist with the song that Weezer used to close their shows with and close their first album with, and that is Only in Dreams, which I think is probably the greatest song they have ever made. And if, if we're different on that, then I'm still very interested because that means that we all just had different blues songs all over the place. We are different in that. That's however, interesting. Very however, interesting. However, I love the pick to close the playlist. It's a perfect way to close a playlist. Yeah. But it's not my favorite song on the album. Interesting. It, it is mine. And I thought it was a natural ending. I bookended my list with blue album songs because it, that album means that much to me. Uh, it's a little, I don't know if you call it artsy move or something, but it's just what I felt like doing. Nonetheless, only in dreams that felt like a natural closer for a playlist, for a, for, a, for a CD, for a concert, anything. It's an eight minute masterpiece. The three minute crescendo, this epic guitar solo It's the longest song in these guys catalog. Uh, like I said, it used to be their longtime set list closer, like the whole show would just turn into a party as the song builds and builds with balloons and confetti and, you know, the whole nine. And even at that length, that eight minutes long, it never to me feels long. No, the whole song, no. it has a purpose. Everything's part of the build. And then the bass line, the bass line is a killer and it never resolves for eight full minutes until the final note of the entire album which I, I think is just a master stroke in, uh, in delayed gratification right there. You just, you mm-hmm. just hear this baseline and you're waiting for that note that's supposed to, to close it all up and it, it doesn't happen for so long. It's just a great song about unrequited love and, and more of that romantic confusion that, that he sings about so often, especially if you're like me and, and you were a teenager when it came out. That's, that's my finale. I, I love the pick. And I will tell you right now, you just got a lot of votes because of that pick. <laughs> and I had a very hard time not making that my pick. It's hard to decide if you cater totally to yourself or to try to sort of predict what people will go for. I had I had to find that balance of catering to myself mostly. Yeah, but. I this playlist, I wanted to close with my favorite song from the Blue Album. And it's one that was not a single. Ooh, oh, man. If you say my... Um, my number one honorable mention. I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> okay. There is no song I like to sing at the top of my lungs by Weezer more than this song. This is the kind of song that when I am in a car and I am driving, I want to turn up and just roll the windows down and just sing at the top of my lungs so everybody can hear me. <laughs> this song is the song that hooked me on Weezer. I liked the singles. When I heard this song, they became a band that I knew I was always going to follow in some way. And that is Surf Wax America. Ah, nice. I love this song so much. The chorus just, it's, I was a big, big, big punk rock guy in high school. I loved all kinds of punk from the Descendants to the Misfits, the Dead Milkmen. I just love punk rock. And this is one of their punkiest songs. And this is one of their most raw songs on the album. And it's fast and it's driving and it's energetic. But then you get to the chorus and you just want to sing that chorus at the top of your lungs. And it is just a fun song. My wife and I bonded over this song when we were talking about Weezer when we first started dating. So there it holds a special place for me. And the fact that this song wasn't a single shocks me. It should have been. That's that album was so rich with singles. And, and I, I totally would have included that among them. You got to also think out all all three of us left out the sweater song, which is another massive 
single from that album. That yeah, so and I have a feeling we're going to catch some hell yeah. online because we're going to get called out on it. I promise we you. We will be, but you know what? I, I went with what I felt was more, like you said, Aaron, you appreciate what I said on how I can relate to a lot of the songs. Yeah. And for some reason, the Undone Sweater song, I could not relate to it. <laughs> Well, the one thing I will throw back in on Surf Wax America, there are two cover versions that I would suggest you check out if you want to hear uh, some fun versions of it. Reliant K has an EP called K is for Karaoke. They do a fun one. And RX Bandits, they have a covers EP, and they do it as well. So definitely worth checking out. Not as good as Weezer's, but definitely should be on your radar. So with that being said, we have closed out the evening. A lot of different songs we talked about tonight. A few crossovers in different directions. A few with me and Gomez and a few with Aaron and I. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't think Gomez and Aaron crossed over on anything, actually. I'm not sure. So aside from that trifecta, I, I think that was it. No, that was yeah. it because we went like two different. Everyone went a different avenue. Yeah. Yeah. So So my pitch for this episode will be like, look. I crossed over with both Gomez and Aaron, so you got a little bit of their <laughs> playlist in mine, and mine has my own songs in it too, so definitely worth voting for me. But before that, now's the time where we will throw out our playlists, track one through track ten. Aaron, our fantastic guest, dude, this has been a, such a blast. Oh, Why don't you. you walk us through your playlist, start to finish? All right, and and I'm I'm very much going to suggest my my pitch is that this is structured to have a flow together. And so I think that listeners will enjoy if they do sit and listen. And the other bonus about us doing Weezer is that most of their songs are really short. So you can knock out a 10 song playlist in about a half hour. Now that said, uh, my track listing, number one, Buddy Holly, number two, El Scorcho. That's why I have to say it. Something closer to right. I don't know. Uh, Number three, Burnt Jam. Number four, Hash Pipe. Number five, Dreamin'. Number six was Ain't Got Nobody. Number seven, if you're wondering if I want you to, I want you to. Number eight, I just threw out the love of my dreams. Number nine, unspoken. And number 10, only in dreams. Gomez. Track one, Suzanne. Track two, everybody get dangerous. Track three, we are all on drugs. Track four, uh, my name is Jonas. Track five, say it ain't so. Track six, Africa. Track seven, Beverly Hills, Brian's on favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> track eight, Perfect Situation. Track nine, Stand By Me. And finally, the last one on track 10, Hash Pipe. I kicked off with track one, El Scorcho or El Scorcho. Or how did you say it, Aaron? El Scorcho. El Scorcho. El Scorcho. You, had a, you rolled the tongue, though. I can't do that. <laughs> you got to say it like he does. El yeah. Scorcho, carajo. Yeah, thank you. I'll say it was bad for both of you guys. We look like fools in front of Gomez right now. (laughs) (laughs) So that being said, El Scorcho, track one, track two, Hero, track three, Perfect Situation, track four, All My Favorite Songs, track five, Trainwrecks, track six, Keep Fishing, track seven, Ain't Got Nobody, track eight, Africa, track nine, Hashpipe, and track 10, Surf Wax America. Three very Ooh. different playlists. Man, there's a lot more discussion that could be had about Weezer. And guess what? Aaron. We're going to do just that. Hell yeah, man. On the itch. We've got the, I'm, I'm titling it The Weezer Episode just because they are a band that, again, as so many people have so many varied opinions on that we're just, we're talking about everything really. And so we'll go into more. There's some things I want to talk about that we obviously didn't have time for here. And we will have time for them there. And so 
such a nice duo these two episodes will be together. And I'm, I'm excited about these guys. So why don't you let people know where they can find it so they could listen? You can find us everywhere. The handle is itchrocks. Itchrocks.com is our regular website where all the podcast episodes are hosted. Our handles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our Gmail account are all itchrocks as well. I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. Aaron, thank you so much, man. I hope you will come back and do another battle with us down the road because this has been awesome. Oh, the second you invite me, I'll, I'll have a list ready of bands that I'm like, all right, let's do one of these. What do you guys think? I'll be ready. The door is open, man. Let's make this happen again. This has been a hell of a lot of fun. Likewise. Thank you guys very much for having me. Yes, definitely. Aaron, thank you again. Brian, uh, thank you again for uh, always helping us out with the show and getting everything ready for us. And I got to thank all the listeners who are listening to the show. Please participate in voting on the www.playlistwarspodcast.com. Yeah, I went with the WW. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Check us out over there. Vote for who has the best playlist. And vote for me just because you love Gomez. Um, and that note, thank you guys. We got other battles edit, are coming edit, our soon. Edit, edit. Yes. <laughs> damn it. Damn it. You ruined my ending. Okay. You could do your ending again. <laughs> thank you to all the listeners for listening. And we got other battles brewing soon. You can find Playlist Wars on Facebook and Twitter at Playlist Wars, on Instagram at Playlist Wars Podcast, on email at playlistwars at gmail.com or via voicemail at 201-644-6498. That's 201-644-6498. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review and be sure to tell a friend or multiple friends about the show. Until next time, thanks for listening.